here's what I've come to understand and learn. Whenever something happened to you or you feel like something happened to you, just remember you were there when it all started. The challenge I have is a lot of my clients are doctors or they're clinicians and they haven't gone to school about business. The ease of use for the do loop is actually the big innovation. I needed an extra hand and this was my Hail Mary for sanity. I'm Richard Gerhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. You've just heard some snippets from our show. It was a fantastic show. Stay tuned for the whole thing. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart. I'm Richard Gerhart, an intellectual property lawyer specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart, not a lawyer, but I work at Richard's law firm, Gerhart Law, doing the marketing, and I have my own startup. Welcome to Passage to Profit, everybody, the show that's all about entrepreneurism, small businesses, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. Tonight, we have a special treat, Daryl Evans, investor and business growth advisor, and he's co-founder of Yokel Local Internet Marketing, and he's also host of the MindShift podcast. We also have a couple of great presenters after him. One is Ron Richard, medical device inventor and consultant. If you've been in the hospital or at the doctor's mm -hmm. office and you're like, they really need a new device to do that. And I've got like just the idea. A new bedpan or something. <laughs> He's the guy to go to. <laughs> and his company is inventingstartstoday.com and he has a book too. And then for all of you dog lovers out there and all of you dog sitters, anyway, half the country at least, Beth Harriman has Do Loop, which is a dog poop picker upper aid, I guess I should say. And of course we have Kenya Gibson here with us today, our media maven from iHeart. So you found something. I was online and I found this site on Yahoo that was about Twitter owns. So people owning each other on Twitter. And this one just made me hysterical. I did not know this, but Pope Francis has an account at Pontifex. Does everybody know who Pope Francis is? Like what he does? And is he like, like a singer or something? <laughs> well, when he's in church chanting, <laughs> doing the mass, probably. So we all know Pope Francis is like one of the top religious leaders on the planet, right? right. So Pope Francis posts on his Twitter account in 2015, Christians and Muslims are brothers and sisters, and we must act as such. And so somebody That's nice. Yes. That's a nice sentiment coming yeah, so, from a world leader. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody else answers him by saying, why don't you ask, and this is verbatim, Muslims to convert to Christianity? Please read John 14, 6, to which somebody else replies, did you seriously just ask the Pope to read the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I wonder what the Pope thought, if he even saw it. I don't know. I have a question for you, though. How did God create the universe? Angel funding. <laughs> so, I thought the Twitter one was better. Yeah, well, you would. I thought mine was better. So anyway, without further ado, IP in the news. Right. So IP in the news is about a new way to control your vehicle for pets. So if you want to leave your dog or your cat, it has a key fob that allows you to raise and lower the windows, control the temperature in the car. And this way, the car is pet friendly. You can open the back of the car if you want. It's really neat. And then there's also an alert system. There's a light that shines so that if people walk by, they know that your animal is being monitored through this system. Right. So it was issued to Ford Motor Company. The name of the patent is System and Method for Creating a Pet-Friendly Automotive Environment. And on the key fob for the car, and also I think an app on your phone, is a little paw print. So if you press that on the key fob, you 
can get into all the controls for taking care of your dog that you left in your car. And so you can turn down the windows and you can select the front or the back. And then you can select like the percentage that you want the window to go down <laughs> or up. You can open the trunk. You can open the sunroof, tilt the rear seats. And on and, and on we go. No, 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 so, no, wait, wait. You can play audio. So you can play the radio or the MP3. Passage to profit for your dog. And then they have the rear air conditioning button too. So that so, way you can feel safe about your pet. And there's like a monitor that the pet wears too. So you can see how your pet is doing. So whoever invented this must really love dogs. Well, you know, pet products are like the thing today. So but, it doesn't surprise me Ford's getting into it. Right. They still have to put it in the car. So the patent just issued, but I haven't seen a car with this yet. But if they do put this in their cars, I think they're going to sell a lot more cars. Yes. Personally. I think so. Anyway, Richard's Roundtable. Daryl, what are your thoughts? So I think it's very interesting. Having been a dog lover since six years old, five years old, I think we got our first dog. I've always struggled with taking my dog in the car somewhere because you never know when you're going to have to stop. And I live in Las Vegas. You don't do very much in the summer. You don't want to be in the car in Las Vegas, even when it's running with air conditioning sometimes. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's an interesting concept. I think with anything, someone will do that and then forget to turn on the device. You know, it's <laughs> to me, it, let's take care of our pets the same way we take care of our kids. At least our dog has five beds in the house. I've got one, if that tells you anything. <laughs> so, but it's uh, interesting. You know, it's innovative. Beth, what are your thoughts? I'm kind of with Daryl, I am all kinds of actually nervous about that. <laughs> I think it's wild that they thought about it. I think it's wild that they've patented it and gotten a patent, but I can just see people doing that with their kids. And also when you think I've been trying to be very eco-conscious with my stuff and having cars running, you know, because you can't have a turned off car and just the exhaust and stuff like that and people forgetting their pets. I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, now to... that you think about it, it could be a little bit risky unless there was some sort of failsafe or something, right? You know, maybe the trunk opens under certain conditions or something. Well, I didn't read the whole patent, so. You brought a patent onto the show that you didn't read? No, <laughs> I just looked at the pictures. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Nothing like an in-depth legal analysis. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer, so. <laughs> Ron, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's interesting. I worked with Fitbit for several years on projects associated with uh, automobile manufacturers that were looking at monitoring uh, biometrics. So heart rate, drowsy driving, falling asleep while driving. So this is just a step in the evolution, I think, of giving people features in automobiles that, you know, allow them to, like you say, safely take care of a pet while they're in the grocery store for a short little trip. But my concern is I just hope people don't use this to leave their kids in a car. Yeah. It's well, like, this is going to be safe. By the way, you talked about mechanisms for sleeping in cars. Why would people want to sleep in cars? Well, they don't. Actually, I'm the board of director or chairman for a company that we monitor truck drivers. And oh. Oh. so they we're get all a little electric shock or? <laughs> no, nothing like that. There's actually a camera in the truck and there, there's an alert system that beeps if they start to it actually is looking at how fast or how slow they blink their eyes, or if their eyes stay closed for a certain period of time, an alarm will go off in the truck. Wow. wow. So that's good technology. And sometimes when I feel like falling asleep at the wheel, I just ask Elizabeth to drive and <laughs> yeah. like on these long road trips, but it's like no alarm is loud enough to keep me awake. But, you yeah. know, maybe with certain testing that'll work out. Yeah. So Kenya, I know you have a dog. I do have a dog and I have <laughs> children, one to which when he was like six months old, I accidentally locked him in my 89 Toyota Corolla on a 90 degree day. <gasps> He's dropped down below. 
right? So I'm kind of thinking I wish I had access to this kind of technology back then because it was a pretty panicky situation. And if I would have had something to be able to like open up the car or I mean, thank God the window was down and I was able to call like a locksmith to come open up the door. But I think about the safety feature that could come along with some of this technology that could be good for parents. God forbid, you know, you're, you find yourself in that situation because that was very scary. Yeah. Great observations. Absolutely. So we have to take commercial break and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearhart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearhart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm here to introduce our very special guest this evening, Daryl Evans, who's an investor, business growth advisor, and co-founder of Yoko Local Internet Marketing. And he's also the host of the MindShift podcast. So, Welcome to the show, Daryl. We're really pleased to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about the MindShift podcast? What is MindShifting? The word MindShift, I'm always asked, why is it MindShift instead of Mindset? And uh, really, it comes out of my life experience and my life journey of finding myself in places that maybe I didn't really want to be in. But funny enough, I made decisions, behaviors, sometimes it was indecision that left me in a place that said, hmm, how did I get here? And in that particular moment or those moments, these are back in my early 20s, even some in my teens and even into my 30s and 40s. Every single time I found myself in one of those moments, I realized that if I wanted to go from where that place was to a new place, I needed to change. I needed to shift the way I was thinking. So obviously a lot of people think about that on the negative side of life. And that's where I was first experiencing that. But I think it's also in the world of growth as entrepreneurs, as business owners, as parents, uh, as people. And so the MindShift podcast simply says, we are going to explore the journey from inspiration to realization. And when life knocks us down from breakdown to breakthrough. And so I enjoy sitting down with entrepreneurs, people, leaders, friends, people I've known for 30 plus years, and really just help them, you know, pick their brain and unpack the distinctions. And what we find is that we're all very similar. And so it's been a very exciting journey. Well, that's excellent. You know, we try to use this podcast to have our guests educate everybody listening. And if our presenters want to ask the guest questions, educate the presenters as well. So I've always struggled with making that paradigm shift. And it sounds like that's what you're helping people do. So that like, if you're stuck in a place and I love your, how did I get here? Like who doesn't have a few of those stories? (laughs) We all have that same place, right? But what can you really do to help people really make the shift that you're talking about, the mind shift? Yeah, I wish I had some clinical background study. I wish I had taken a path in psychology or I wish I could bring the, the thought process from that angle but that's not the way my life was dealt. I made some decisions in my twenties and woke up one day 
uh, realizing that I was no longer going to be in my two sons' lives on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And that decision of a relationship breakup and that decision that ended up leading to a relationship breakup, those decisions left me at a place where I had to decide, how am I going to be a great father if they're going to live 1,300 miles away from me? See, I mm -hmm. couldn't fight the fact that they were going to live there. The whole court thing and the judge thing and the whole custody thing and all of that thing that we know about, we hear about in the United States, neither one of us thought we'd end up there, but that's where we ended up. The way I usually talk to folks and coach people through this is we've got to make peace with the facts. That's kind of step one in the process. It sounds simple, but a lot of times we find ourselves in a place we don't want to be. And it's easy to blame. It's easy to collaborate with and talk with the folks who want to agree with your negative thinking, they want to agree with your blame and pointing responsibility at the other person. The fact of the matter is, and whether it's a person, a place, a thing, or an incident, uh, we could look at what's happened in the last two and a half years. We could look at what happened in 2007, eight, nine real estate industry. Life just happens. Uh, the issue is, is we've got to make peace with the facts. And so the facts were, they're going to live over there. I'm going to live over here. Now what? I find that in my walk and in both my life, my parents' lives, my family's life, and in life of business, we can easily fall into this blame game and we point responsibility somewhere else. And, and here's what I've come to understand and learn. And that whenever your life is not quite going the way you'd like, something happened to you or you feel like something happened to you, just remember you were there when it all started. It's a way of turning around and saying, okay, I'm responsible at some point to being in the place or the situation or the mindset or the framework where I was in a bad place where I allowed that to happen. You know, I had a situation where I was looking outward to a circumstance, but the reality was something in my energy and pattern of behavior led me into that environment so that that thing, if I had not led myself there, it would have never happened. And so I just help people really accept responsibility and ownership because you can't change anything if you're just blaming others or externally motivated by pointing a finger. And so that's where I think it really all begins. I really love that philosophy and making peace with the facts. Sometimes it's kind of hard to figure out what the facts are, right? I mean, if you're at work and the decision comes down from high that you don't fully appreciate or understand, you may never get to the real facts that prompted that decision. And so you have nothing to base your feelings on. Is there a way that somebody can work with that? A hundred percent. I love the way you set that framework because I... I think about uh, the early years of my working career, I worked for a company called Taco Bell, a little bitty company here in the United States. <laughs> and I, at that time, was an assistant. Well, first of all, I started as a fry cook when I was 16 years old. I became an assistant manager. None of this was planned, by the way. And before you know it, at 20 years old, when I'm in college, I'm a general manager of a restaurant. I'm 20 years old, running almost a million dollar restaurant in the fast food service industry. And there were a lot of things that I enjoyed about that work and that job and the experience and the education, and it served me in so many ways the last 30 years. But I can tell you there were a number of decisions down the line, including one where I was running a restaurant that had literally no heat, no air conditioning. It was a building that was built in the 70s and in Vegas, as I mentioned, you know, it gets a little toasty over here in the summer. And even though it's not New England or Massachusetts or New York or Chicago in the winter, 35 degrees, 40 degrees with no heat is a problem. Mm -hmm. And so I've got kids in here. I'm a kid. I've got team members and this organization wouldn't buy us jackets. They wouldn't buy jackets in the wintertime for my team who was at the drive-through window or at the front counter when the door is coming in and out, they're freezing. 
And then in the summertime, we had to deal with the kitchen heat and there's no air conditioning. They had a swamp cooler in there. And after 92 degrees, it's a, it's a wrap. I tell that story to simply say that in, in that moment, there's some facts that I don't control, like top down, someone is saying they're not going to do this. And I said, okay, well, I've got a decision to make, which is really step two in the process. The facts are the facts. They're not going to go buy us jackets. So I've got a choice to make. Do I want to go buy the jackets for them? And I, I literally did. Give me the catalog. I will pay for them out of my pocket. Now, the point of the thought is if I don't like the decision while I don't understand it, I can make a new decision about what I'm going to do now, whether that's been a financial challenge, whether it's two and a half years ago when my agency, when the you know shutdown happened, we took on, uh, like any other business in the United States, we took on a serious deprecation of monthly cash flow. And uh, while PPP came in the rescue of the day, we were really struggling when a lot of our clients were told they couldn't practice their business. So I think step two to that, Richard, is really just understanding you can make a new decision about whatever the facts are, whether you understand those or not, because you're in control of what you do going forward. The only thing that matters is today's now, the now moment that you're in. And what am I going to do going forward from here? So that's kind of how I take a look at it. Kenya? Daryl, I'm glad you brought up the shutdown because I think I have the million dollar question is how have you taught people or business owners to make peace with the pandemic? You know, very interesting question, right? So I'm, I sat in the middle of that, right? So I sat in the middle of uh, me and my business partner, whether it was an email or a phone call where companies were like, hey, uh, you haven't done anything wrong, but we're not going to be able to operate business, whether you're a dentist, whether you're a restaurant, whether all of those kinds of businesses, we have all of those kinds in our world. And uh, we just need to pause our contract. Like uh, we understand we still need marketing, but we don't know where this is going to go. So two sides of the equation, I had to think about how I was going to handle that with my team. And I had to make peace with the facts that I didn't understand what was going on either, other than that there's this illness that is saying it's going to shut everybody down. So the coaching I always talk about is once we look at the facts, you know, how do we make peace with the facts? And I think from a leadership perspective, uh, the goal is to find a way to remain confident that there is a solution, even if we don't know what it is. When I'm getting a call or an email and my business partner and I are having text messages back and forth, and he's saying, we just lost 14,000 a month, 5,000 a month, 6,000 a month, 1,200 a month, whatever it was. And I'm watching our pay. And by the way, we didn't lay anybody off. So I run a business where that agency is kind of like building a car to use the Ford example. I can't lay off the person who's the engineer and expect the person who paints the car to be the engineer. So that's not the way our agency works. We've got a team of experts across disciplines and we still had a lot of clients to serve. But I think the first piece is finding a way to be confident, getting past the level of fear and uncertainty and just building up some sort of, okay, there's a way to figure it out. I like to say that us entrepreneurs and inventors and people that really make it even though we may sit in some level of fear, we just simply say, I know I'm going to figure it out. And I think that is a tough mindset to adopt to. So A, we were like, hey, we're going to figure this out. We're going to figure it out together, which means we got smart and started saying, oh, you can't pay us the 14,000 month full retainer. No problem. What if we reduced what we're doing so that we don't lose any momentum? Because we don't know if it's a 30 day thing, 60 day thing, 90 day thing. And so we ended up retaining, and this is my business partner's idea. We started retaining some of those clients and convincing them that, okay, do you think the world's going to end right now? Well, are we ever going to go back? And so we started thinking about how do we confidently speak to this? The other big point to this is you can only control what you control. I believe in controlling the controllables. It's always like we want to look outside, kind of going back to that ownership piece. And that is what do we control? In my agency, the only thing I could control was where, by definition, there were non-essential and essential businesses. The non-essential businesses are being shut down. 
I was actually included in that category. But because we're virtual, we could keep operating. So what do I control? Let's look down the list of who they say are essential and see if they need help. So we launched a Facebook campaign and brought in 400 new leads over the next 60 days. So I couldn't control what was going on at the grocery store or in the hospitals. And I've got three nurses in my family. My grandmother's a nurse. So I had all the empathy in the world for what was going on medically, but I can't control that. But there's this group of people that are called not uh, essential businesses of which 85% of them wouldn't need our work. But what about the 15%? Do they still need to operate online? And so that's what we did. And so we control the controllable. So I hope that helps a little bit, Kenya. Daryl, you also mentioned that you're a growth advisor. Do you take on clients and help them grow too? Yeah. So at the agency level, we are working with small and mid-sized companies. Uh, we we tiptoed with some of the big fortune companies. And our agency work is really an outsourced growth marketing team that comes in to work with small and mid-sized firms where they're trying to cover the landscape of digital. And as all of us probably on this call know, there's a vast landscape, you know, Google search, whether it's social media, all the things that have to happen. So we're a good fit for companies there that are really looking to outsource growth. They usually have some senior marketing leader who's really quarterbacking inside their world. And then they're partnering up with our team. On the business advisory side, a lot of what I love to do there is I've just experienced, you know, in the last 11 years specifically, and then in my 30 year journey, a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck. Once they start the business, they've got a great idea. They've got a great product. And I've done a lot of things wrong. And so from that perspective, I feel like there's a way to help people see what they can't see, just like any great business coach would do, whether that's getting time leverage, getting customer acceleration leverage, helping them manage and hire great staffs. It's been one of the best privileges of my life to hire and employ 500 people-ish over the last 30 something years. And finding the distinction that allows us to bring someone on board to our team or you know, helping clients bring people on their team where the unique talent of that person aligns with the vision and purpose of that business. Business. That's been a, a unique path for me and helping entrepreneurs see that you're not just hiring a VA or you're not just hiring an operations manager. You need to find someone who sees their vision and their purpose aligning with yours, meaning what are their unique gifts? And so I found some ways to do that. On the podcast side, at this point, I'm building a network more than anything because I believe that there's a, an opportunity globally in the work that I'm doing there to really just build a group of entrepreneurs that are really going to set the world on fire on the next level. I've been very fortunate. I would have never used the word legacy 10, 15 years ago because I was in the hustle and the grind. But now it's like, hey, let's help entrepreneurs move to that next level without the same burn the candle at both ends kind of mentality. I just am over that mentality. And I don't think it's necessary with the way technology has evolved today. I think you're right. And I think that if you are burning the candle at both ends, you lose your creative time, right? Yeah. You know, I wish I could do my 30s again, but I'm glad I did my 30s because I learned. And what I've realized is any of it goes back to that mind shift. When I turned 40, it wasn't because I turned 40. I transitioned careers and got out of the mortgage industry, real estate space. And we started this agency and I knew I was going to be in the digital marketing space for the rest of my life. In 2003 is when I first started my journey in digital. And as much as I worked extremely hard in my thirties, I was using technology early adopter. First email account, 2003, built my first email marketing campaign, then built my first website, 2004. I didn't build it physically, by the way, but I was like, you know what? A lot of people don't know about this stuff, do they? And I'm thinking this is stuff that I think is going to continue to evolve and adapt and there's going to be more adoption. And so I just wanted to be on that from a life balancing standpoint. And I just made new decisions kind of in that mind shift mentality of here's what's going to happen. I think in tech, in marketing, in sales, in entrepreneurship, 
here's what decision I think I want to make. And I just decided to reshape how I was doing things. And so I think I'm able to share some of that. Daryl, that's wonderful advice. Thanks for joining us. We loved your insights. Special guest this evening, Daryl Evans. Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show on WOR 710, the voice of New York. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.GearheartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Coming up next, Kenya Gibson. Nice to see you, Kenya. Who is our Power Move about tonight? We're going to talk about Kanye West on Power Move today and his new invention, the Stem Player. So he's releasing Donda 2 and he does not want to work with Apple and doesn't want to work with Spotify on the release. So he's decided to create his own musical platform. The Stem Player is a pocket-sized music device. You can manipulate the songs, isolate elements, speed the song up, slow it down. And it's really changing the way music is distributed and consumed. And he generated $2.2 million in sales in just 24 hours, just released the other day. So in addition to that revenue, he's going to be able to keep all the streaming rights and he's not going to have to really leverage any of these other Apples or Spotify's of the world. So I thought that was a superpower move. And considering that Apple offered him $100 million for this album release that's coming up, and he was able to find a way to release content and own the rights, I thought that was brilliant. Wow. Wow, that is super impressive. Is it like an MP3 player? What kind of files does it use? I'm sure it has its own file system. It's a little gadget. It's round. It lights up. And basically all the music that's going to be released on the platform will be downloadable to this device. So any song you're going to be able to kind of pick apart the beat, the sound effects. So it's it's more than just, you know, you listening to music. If you're a creative and you're 
a DJ or you create music or beats, you're going to be able to play around with this thing and, you know, sample. And so I thought that was so cool that this little pocket handheld thing is like the Walkman of the future. Right. Right. I was going to say iPod on steroids. (laughs) That's amazing. That's great. So thank you for sharing that. And now it's time for Elizabeth Gearhart. What's up with Fireside? Yes. So I have a startup called Fireside Directory, another tool for the digital marketing space. It is a video directory of business owners, and I've kind of had to pivot a few times. I've talked about it on every show since I started it, but basically I interview business owners about their businesses and put them on a directory, which I'm still working on the IT part, which to Daryl's point, I've learned a lot about websites and I've learned a lot about IT and some about programming, But that is really where I can't do it myself as an entrepreneur. I have to have help. So I've managed to squeeze some money out, (laughs) I think, to try to find the right person to help me with all of the tech piece of this. But it really is a tech thing. And I really do want it to be a standalone directory, a true directory. And I want to distinguish it from other directories that exist now, like Google. Like I want it to be like a Google with videos kind of if small businesses, but not have all the other stuff that comes up when you're searching for something. I want to have as much as I can. And I don't know if the programming is there yet. I want to have a very clean search engine. So that if you type in patent attorney, you only get patent attorneys. You don't well, get. Well, hopefully you're only going to get me. But, <laughs> gonna... but you, you know, you don't get, oh, here's a divorce attorney or here's a sponsored link to a real estate attorney or whatever. So that's kind of the goal for this is to have it be a super clean search engine, which I'm finding is kind of tough. And some of the things I wanted to do with the project, the technology isn't there yet, but I'm hoping like in five years it will be. So there's a lot to happen still with this. So yeah. Go, go see Kanye at. West. He'll invent the technology for you, I guess. Anyway. Yeah, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. <laughs> Let's get on to our presenters. Okay, so yes, yeah, so I get to introduce our presenters. So our first presenter is Ron Richard, medical device inventor, author, certified medical consultant. I love his last name. <laughs> yes, he would. And his website is Inventing Starts Today. And he has a book that goes along with it. So welcome, Ron. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. My business, uh, we do consulting for primarily people that have invented medical products. And the challenge I have is a lot of my clients are doctors or they're clinicians and they haven't gone to school about business. So one of the things you brought up was as an entrepreneur, particularly if you're a clinician or a doctor, is when do you bring in help? because they're not used to bringing other people in to talk about, I've got this great idea, I want to commercialize it, but I don't know anything about mechanical engineering or how to build software platforms or how do I get through the FDA? You know, that's another big thing. So my book, Someday is Today, is this framework that I actually wrote after I did a lecture at Stanford for physicians who want to have a income stream outside of their medical practice. So they've got great ideas, they see firsthand I've got patients that are using this current technology, but I have a better idea. I want to get my idea on the market and how do I do that? That's what my book is really all about. It's job creation and also commercializing innovation. But again, going back to the premise of it, I'm a clinician. I started working in a hospital and it was just fortunate for me. I was a cook. I worked in a, I was a fry cook, got a job in a hospital, was working there. And one day I was in the cafeteria and a friend of mine stopped by and he said, hey, we've got an opening up in the respiratory therapy department. Would you be interested? And I'm like, what's respiratory therapy? 
So just by luck, I said, sure, let's go up there. And I interviewed and I got a job as a therapist. And that's when I made my first invention was a communication board to help people that are on ventilators and they can't speak. They lose their ability to talk because they have a tube down their throat and so on. So that was my first invention and exposure to becoming an entrepreneur and kind of getting on into my career outside the hospital. So did you have any problems with the hospital wanting to own your inventions? Back then, no. But, you know, a lot of doctors I work with, Elizabeth, that's the first thing I ask them is you're inventing this basically while you're working in an institution and you'll probably be approached by the hospital and they'll ask for a licensing fee. And that's pretty common anymore. Most of the doctors I work with work at John Hopkins. They work at Stanford or Mayo or bigger teaching institutions. Mm-hmm. And the typical fees are anywhere between 2 and 4%. That's interesting. Our daughter is a nurse. She's come up with a few great ideas, but there's always the question like who's going to own the intellectual property. So that's interesting that you figured that piece out with the doctors. That's great. Yeah. And you know what I tell physicians, clinicians, nurses who ever come to me, that's really the first step to kind of clear the runway for you to commercialize something. You don't want to commercialize something or get millions of dollars invested in it. And then the hospital comes back and says, oh, hey, by the way, you owe us uh, 2% of everything you just sold. Right. Right. So she invented like a, let's just say a new valve for something. Would you help her get it approved by the FDA? And would you help get it so insurance companies would pay for it? Do you go that far? Yeah, we do everything. We work with reimbursement. We work with Mints. That's my IP people Mm -hmm. that do all of our medical patents. We work with uh, engineering people that can help, you know, like for instance, this person do a prototype. Those are all the elements that we can put together under one umbrella to assist someone get a product to market. But the marketing for this is not to the consumer. It's completely different than consumer-based marketing, right? Because you are actually marketing to the hospitals or who are your clients for this? We market pretty much specifically to yeah, hospitals, but mostly clinicians. We have databases, obviously, and mailing lists that we can send out information to. But going back to, there's something Daryl said earlier. It's kind of interesting. I'm working with a client now. They put $6 million into to a new high flow therapy device that's used to treat COVID. Unbeknownst to us, we had to pivot pretty quickly because hospitals weren't allowing visitors which means sales reps to come in and do actual demos. So we had to create a whole arsenal of digital assets that we could show to doctors and clinicians through Zoom or through a virtual kind of a portal to kind of educate them or get them interested in a product that they'd never seen before. So It was really interesting. It stalled us out for about a year. Now things are different. People are actually seeing sales reps again, and our sales are starting to pick up. But to answer your question, basically, yeah, word of mouth, networking, and then also just working at trade shows. Are they doing trade shows again now? This year, yeah, we're attending. We've got four trade shows that we're going to be at. But you're right, for the past two years, They've been kind of virtual internet-based experiences, which really haven't worked out very well. Kenya? Say, you know, you're a doctor and you're a creator and you're working at these corporations. It's pretty hard to create something sometimes when you're under the auspice of a corporation. What are some ways that 
creators or innovators can protect themselves from the onset. So say you have an idea, you're working for a hospital corporation, like what, what should you put in place immediately to make sure that you have some protection there so that when you do get to the phase of going public, you can keep, you know, the rights to everything and it not be a conflict of interest? Well, the first step is to look at your employment agreement and see what the contract is between you and the hospital. Usually they're written in fairly draconian terms that favor the hospital. And so there are sometimes there's clauses in the agreement that are not really enforceable, but you have to keep in mind that this is your employer. And so you don't want to be put in a position of doing something that is going to make your employer unhappy. And so you should see if there's a way that you can submit your idea to the hospital administration, or you need to approach the supervisor and make sure that everything's all okay with that. And different hospitals have different policies and they have different degrees of freedom for these kinds of side projects. But most of the time, if you're a doctor, they want to keep you. And as long as it doesn't interfere with your work at the hospital, they're pretty open to those things. There's also laws in most states that limit the ability of somebody to contract away their rights. So really getting all of that cleared away, get the open runway is really the best first step. Darryl? The only thing I'd add to that, it's a win-win if you go to the hospital administration as a doctor and say, you know, I've got this, I think, better mousetrap or better idea to improve healthcare and improve outcomes, reduce healthcare costs. And I'd like to continue to work on this and let's come to an agreement that I can work on it and you're still going to get a percentage of whatever we sell after we commercialize it. The hospital then gets the notoriety of, well, we, we help develop and invent this and we help this doctor who in turn now has got this company and you know they've hired 50 people or whatever to manufacture this great new innovation. I was going to ask the question and you just beat me to the answer, which is, is there opportunities for joint venturing in this kind of example where, uh, to uh, Richard's point earlier, you, this is your employer, you're on their time. They obviously have a lot more resources than an individual you know, with this process. So it would seem to be that a, whether it's licensing or some sort of joint venture, even to speed along the process uh, as a co-collaboration. So just to give you an example of that, there's one hospital in New York state that actually has an accelerator, an accelerator being a place where people with ideas can go to get investment and support. And they take Take projects that can be developed for use in the hospital. So they focus on medical devices, you know, because they're easier to get the path to FDA approval is, is usually shorter, but they specifically have a group that funds those projects and then they can do a test in the hospital. So it's an interesting concept. I haven't heard of too many hospitals doing that. Well, you know, Richard, too, the key or one of the fundamental things to help a, what I call plan, if you see a need, plant the seed. And the seed is, well, I see a need as a doctor, so I'll plant the seed. What do seeds need to grow? They need fertilizer. They need water. They need care. And the same thing with an idea that you have as a concept or an invention, particularly in the medical industry, you need money. Right. And so if you get into an accelerator... You can get into angel funding or whatever. You have to have funding to be successful in launching your product. Right. So can we talk about the IP just for a second? So the doctor who invents, the inventors are the only ones that get their names on the patent application itself and on the patent, but they can assign it to the hospitals. So do the hospitals ask them to assign their intellectual property or you said they just take a percentage and a license deal, right? I've seen it go 
both ways. A lot of times Richard would represent a doctor and he may counsel him or give him advice. Don't assign it. Negotiate whatever. Just keep your name on all of the IP. But if you can't get to that place with the attorneys at the hospital, you know, you just got to agree. Like uh, Daryl said, there's certain things you can control and certain things you can't control. You got to pivot and then go, the better thing for me to do is just look at the future and let's move past this. Absolutely. Right. So you may have to assign it even if you don't want to. But if you look at all these big companies, like if you look at this patent that we just talked about with Ford, you know, Ford Motor Company didn't invent it. Somebody else did and they had to assign it to Ford. Right. If you invent something when you're working at a hospital and you're in the medical field to really realize money from your invention, you really do need to work with someone like Ron who knows how to make these deals work, right? Right. He obviously has a lot of experience in this field and it's a complicated field. The manufacturing is complicated. The approval process is complicated and the market is complicated. So it's important that you get somebody with a high level of expertise if you're going to go that route. Ron, great talking with you and uh, enjoyed hearing about your business. Inventingstartstoday.com. And we'll be back right after this. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And if you've missed any of our shows so far, we've had some really valuable information for entrepreneurs. Where can people find it? If all they the didn't major catch podcasting the sites, Passage to Profit show on all the major podcasting sites. And when does the podcast come out? So this airs on iHeartRadio and then the podcast comes out the next day. Okay. So it airs Sunday evenings at 11 and the podcast comes out the next day. So if you want to listen to it again, over and over and over, again you can well they may want to fast forward to get to some really interesting tidbit of information like everybody's websites which i will say at the very end so anyway without further ado i am dying to introduce our next presenter because i think what she has is really cool and it's something every dog owner needs so welcome beth harriman with do loop Thank you so much for having me. So anyway, yeah, I, out of necessity, invented a leash accessory. It goes onto your leash handle called a do loop. And basically for anybody who's out walking a dog, once you scoop the poop, you don't actually even need to tie off the bag, but you can just thwack it right onto a do loop with one hand. The functionality had been considered, but the ease of use for the do loop is actually the big innovation. I had um, signed up to foster a couple basset hounds at the suggestion of my children and um, who would not be walking the dogs. And the two dogs that we got were fabulous, but they would be running in different directions. And it was just, as they say in the show, and I (laughs) needed an extra hand and this was my Hail Mary for sanity. 
and I'm making them here in Maine, which I'm very proud. We're talking about hearing about sort of intentionality and what you can control. And anyway, I'm making them in Maine and using recycled plastic and paying a fair wage for assembly and trying to be as eco-friendly as possible. It's a simple little thing, but as I'm listening to everybody talk, it's funny how complicated it gets, you know, really quickly when you're in business and figuring out which to go and when you need to hire somebody. And I've really had that feeling quite (laughs) with quite a bit of the things that Daryl was talking about. Are you a solopreneur then? Are you uh, pretty much on your your own uh, in this project so far, or do you have help from other sources? Yes, well, I'm a solopreneur, but I have outsourced and hired some people to help me with different things like my LinkedIn profile and things like this. And of course, I had to hire an industrial designer to help me get my little handmade do loops into a form that could be produced. And he was great. And I'm not a graphic designer, which is shocking. And so I've needed to hire, you know, graphic designers to help. So, you know, I've had to hire people to help me with IT and basically just a whole bunch of tasks that need to be done. Yeah. I mean, I always admire solopreneurs because you really do have to be a jack of all trades to at least some degree. And you must have a good people sense too, because it sounds like you're satisfied with the people that you hired. And so that's making the right choices there. And I want to say you left something off when you were talking about your description. It comes in seven modern colors to coordinate with any outfit. So no excuses. But I wondered, where are you selling these right now? I'm selling them on my website, but I have a store locator. My website's just been updated. I've got a store locator because I'm selling in several hundred independent stores around the country and actually overseas too. And I would love people to be able to go on there and find a store near them and shop locally. So that's really goals. But right now I sell them there. I also sell them on the grommet. Um, Orvis carries them. I've always said nobody's experience or outfit was elevated by holding a bag of poop. I had some <laughs> I had some poop bags made sort of for marketing. When I first started out in autumn, it says this is not a Louis Vuitton bag. Like, <laughs> don't think you're looking good. <laughs> I love this story because it's, <laughs> it's so, so awesome. Daryl, do you have any questions? Two questions. Yes. First of all, congratulations. I Question, how did you get distribution in that many locations at this early stage? That's that's amazing. Thank you. When you don't know anything, sometimes you do stuff that you probably shouldn't do. So I bought a booth at SuperZoo at the last minute before everything shut down. And I sort of Googled what trade show booths look like and invited my brother and a couple friends. And we didn't know anything, but we anyway had a booth and it was super fun and made a lot of connections that way. So trade shows have actually probably been the best because what's odd about my product is it doesn't have a noun attached to it. So like if I say bowl or leash or lamp or something like you, it can be any lots of different types, but you know basically what it is and what the functionality is. My thing for people who are listening, it's like five inches by two and a half inches and it's sort of a dog head shaped loop with a channel and then a little ring at the top to that you can put a carabiner or ball chain and attach it to your leash handle. Or you can put on a toggle on your jacket or a backpack, whatever. You can call it like a dog poop 
bag holder. But that's also usually things, something that holds poop bags. And this is bags of poop, which is a small but significant difference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's been this really interesting when I realized that I thought, oh my gosh, like it's a totally different classification of product. When you've got something truly innovative like that, it's hard to describe. It doesn't fit in any of the categories that exist because it's an innovation. That's exactly it, Elizabeth. That's exactly it. Like when they'll say like, what thing in the pet does it go into? And it's like, it's not a leash or a collar. It's not a poop bag. It's just kind of in this weird space right now. I do think because it's so easy to use, frankly, that it will be the next sort of thing that everybody just ends up having. People will just assume because honestly, once you use it and go for your walks, if you change your leash, like my little brother changes leash, it's like, I'm like, ah, like, what am I doing holding this? You know, and this was the kid who, when I asked him first, he was just like, I live in California, you know, we have trash cans everywhere, I wouldn't use it. And he's like my best salesperson. And the same thing with a store owner in New York City. At first, she was not interested in carrying them. And I just saw her at this trade show in New York City. And she stopped by the booth. She said, I get it now. I moved out to Long Island. She's like, oh, my God. So she bought a bunch for her store. So I think it'll be the next thing. But when we're talking about IP and stuff like this, uh, you know, I'm being knocked off. So I would like advice because mm -hmm. I know that my invention is so simple. It's a commodity. Right. So that's was part of the intentionality behind keeping it made in Maine. It's, you know, still sells for under $10. But, you know, I'm keeping it made in the U.S. and being eco-friendly and paying people so that... There are that ways to some... stop knockoffs. And there are things that the actually government helps you do with stuff coming from other countries on boats and stuff. More yeah, you can register. Better. Have you registered your product yet at Customs? I wish I'd had you as my lawyer for IP the first, <laughs> first time. <laughs> I think he got a design patent, not a utility patent because of right. some 1917 right. jam scoop holder thing and right. so this is very obscure and it didn't get for the channel which is actually the game changer i think the good news is is i've got a new one coming out but i'm lawyering it up much harder and i yeah. hope mm -hmm. smarter and i think it will be completely a game changer because i don't well, know why great. everybody just wouldn't have one and how can people find you they can find me at the dooloop.com and that's the and then D-O-O-L-O-O-P dot com. And you'll know you've got it right because if you turn do loop in lowercase upside down, it still says do loop. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yay! We'll be right back after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your process.
project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. It was a truly amazing show, wasn't it? I learned (laughs) so much. We kind of worked our way down. We went from mindset to medical devices down to poop. So we kind of worked our way down the body, right? Started head, <laughs> went, went all over with medical devices and then down for the poop. So anyway, who did we have? We had Daryl Evans and he has the Mind Shift podcast, which is just like it sounds. So you can find it at themindshiftpodcast.com. Daryl gave us just incredible advice, like be pragmatic, deal with what you have. Don't whine about what you've lost or whatever you think you've done wrong. Right. I mean, I think he has a lot of great concepts and I'm sure our listeners would enjoy his podcast as well. Oh, I'm going to listen to it. I think it's a great one. And then we had Kenya Gibson with her Power Move segment, and she is our media a maven from iHeart. So if you do want to get on the radio besides this podcast or do any ads on the radio or whatever, Kenya is the right person. It's Kenya Gibson with a P at iHeartMedia.com. It is. Then. Thank you, Kenya. Yes. <laughs> then we had Ron Richard. His website is InventingStartsToday.com. He's also got this awesome book with an incredible title, Someday is Today. And so you can find that on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. It's Ron Richard. And if you have an idea for a medical device, he can help you all the way through. Very, very valuable business. And then for all you dog owners out there, Beth Harriman has invented the do loop, which you can find at the D-O-O-L-O-O-P.com, do D-O-O loop, L-O-O-P.com. It's a very innovative product. It's hard to describe, but you get onto the dog leash and then you can put poop in it and it only takes a second. So listen to the podcast if you missed any of this, because we just really had some great content today. I thought so. I was just totally blown away by our guests. But before we go, Daryl, do you have any thoughts for our our listeners? Yeah. I mean, thank you for uh, taking some time out of your day. I'm always honored to have an opportunity to share some time and space with great thinkers. And I think that as we all create our own pathways in life, uh, this was a great opportunity to share a discussion. So thanks for having me. Kenya? No, I think this was a great conversation and all the elements to just getting your idea together and getting it out there, right? So we talked about starting with the mind shift with Daryl, right? Because it's all about like where your mindset is and like where you launch from. And then Ron is able to help us kind of put and formulate a plan to getting our vision and our invention out there. And then you do the do like Beth, right? (laughs) Like she did getting her product out there because someday is today according to what Ron says. So today is the day to do that and get your idea out there and get your dream going. Way to pull it all together, Kenya. Kenya's amazing. Isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. So in any case, we have to sign off now. Thank you for listening. We love our audience and keep those cards and letters coming (laughs) in. Uh, Our guests may find that it's difficult to go to the mall after this program. You may be asked for autographs and pictures and (laughs) selfies and stuff like that. But in any case, it happens to us all the time. It happens to us all the time. Not really. Not really, no. But in any case, I'd like to take the opportunity to thank our producer, Noah Fleischman, our production assistant, Alicia Morrissey, our video editor, Chatterboss, and the whole iHeart team. We'll be back again next week with another exciting episode of Passage to Profit. And you're listening to iHeart Radio, WOR 710, the voice of New York. 